Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and with me, as always, my co-host, Caleb Jenks, coming to you live from middle of nowhere, Texas. So, uh, Caleb, uh, next week, quick announcement, we are going to be talking about the devil. Uh, the title of next week's podcast is The Devil is Real, so everyone can hopefully get excited about that and join us next week. And we already got some folks tuning in, so welcome. And we always try to give everyone a second to get on the page and find the link and get the video up before we jump right in. And uh, I invited uh, some new folks tonight, so hopefully they'll come. And as I give like this little intro, hopefully Caleb is sharing this page everywhere. Because if we haven't told everyone, please share the video share it to your timeline and just say live video podcast right now by the two most intelligent, attractive and charming gentlemen that have ever taught the Bible. And Caleb's laughing because that's supposed to be a joke. Am I that arrogant? Maybe. Okay. But that was a joke. So <clears throat> please share this. Okay. So tonight what we're talking about, well, you know, before we even start, Caleb made mention that I was wearing a tie, which I am. And Caleb is actually dressed up this evening. Caleb, yeah, I, got, he's got a bow tie I, on. Yeah, I, I was surprised. We never, yeah, there, I guess, it's, I guess it's in the camera there. We never oh, you can see get it. on yeah. here dressed up, but I was, yep. I was really feeling like it was appropriate tonight to go ahead and go, go the extra length and Good. make sure that I was dressed appropriately. Wore a t-shirt with formal wear screen printed onto it and we appreciate that why why are you wearing a tie so i'm wearing a tie i'm trying to take this podcast to the next level so i am I personally stepping it up on my half of the screen to try to look professional which i think is about time so no i actually am doing a wedding tomorrow so this evening i did a wedding rehearsal so uh i was wearing a shirt and tie for that and I got made fun of by some of my friends. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to marry uh, two of my friends tomorrow. Um, and uh, and the, the groom and his groomsmen that I know were joking with me, telling me uh, that I was a little overdressed. And I said, that's the only way I can get people to take me seriously. So that is why I wore the shirt and tie for the sake of hopefully the authority that goes with it. I don't know if that worked. So, uh, tonight we're talking about hell. Title is Hell is whoa, Real. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Don't even we just, say it. We Do not only even made say it. it. We only made it five minutes into the show and you're already cussing. I thought we handled this last time. That's Did you just it. say the H word on here? Good night, everybody. I'm done. <laughs> oh, my soul. <laughs> in case anyone didn't see my eyes rolling, I'll try it again. Well, I was just on here getting ready to share it. And right as I went to share it, I thought I saw a bad word. And then I heard a bad word. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, my word. I can't believe you titled the video that. Now you're talking about yep. that. Yep. HG so double hockey sticks. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So, so you can continue your sentence. You can just try again without, without the bad word in there this time. Okay. So we are talking about hell. Hell is real is the title of the podcast. And uh, that's in the description as well. It's important for everyone to understand that. Uh, Caleb and I across the board uh, take a very fundamental view of the Bible. A lot of folks would say we take a very literal view of the Bible. Our eschatology is uh, very tight or very strong. Uh, I don't think either of us really take Well, we stand. haven't even got into this topic yet, so you never know where I'm going to land on this. Yeah, if you say hell isn't real, I am quitting right now and walking away. Because honestly, what's the point? If hell isn't real, why am I... Why did I join this group? Why is Jesus my savior? Why do I own a Bible or go to church? If, if hell is not real... Then, All right. You know, we just got to soften up a little bit every once in a while. Okay, you got to be inclusive of those that believe that salvation is a great thing, 
but that also without it, the help probably wouldn't be that terrible. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you just gotta include everybody here. Oh man, hell, you know, hell is hell is basically being in the middle of nowhere, Texas, when it's raining really hard and your house is about to float away, and and having financial hardship. It's the, it's the absence of financial prosperity. That's a great intro. That uh, that was pathetic. Um. <laughs> actually, you might that might actually turn hell into a bad word when you relate it to, to anything yeah. other than what it actually is. So, what is what is before we get into being too literal? What is the most ridiculous? Um, uh, argument against hell, hell that you've heard that you just thought was pretty laughable. Honestly, I've been talking with a couple of Mormon missionaries um, through Facebook Messenger over the last couple of weeks, and what they explained—they're getting uh, that desperate. And what <laughs> they're they, trying yeah. to convert you now. <laughs> well, and I—I I mean, I share this podcast and sit in various, you know, Christian groups and blogs and whatever, you know, around the state and everything to try to drum up some listeners. And they saw me and they asked me if they could talk to me. And I mean, I knew what was going to happen. I've talked to these guys so many times. I, you know, I, I could ask all their questions and then answer them for them and then give me the response they're going to give me. They are clearly all taught from the same textbook. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. So anyway, uh, we got into the topic of heaven and hell, and they explained to me how that works, how their three heavens work and how hell works. And essentially, uh, hell's going to be pretty empty. Pretty much nobody goes there is really what it came down to. I mean, it, it's almost impossible, you know, to get there, which is kind of laughable because the Bible says the exact opposite. The Bible says that the majority of humans are going to be there, um, you know, which is understandable. So I had a, um, a f- friend, I guess, mm-hmm. a fellow that was coming and joining us for prayer and Bible <laughs> reading. Off a friend pretty well, quick. You well, started with friends and thought, you're already. Okay, we thought we were friends, all right? When we got too deep into Bible discussion, he now seems to avoid me. He walks the streets mm-hmm. of the town that I live in trying mm-hmm. to convert people to Jehovah's Witness. Oh, belief and and now he won't does. speak with me mm-hmm. um but anyways so i thought i, I thought he was his friend but i decided maybe I, that was kind of being used a little loosely but anyways he was coming every morning to our church uh for a while for some bible reading and coffee that we were having in the mornings mm-hmm. and he was very convinced that there is no such thing as hell and it seemed that in listening to his explanation and and quite a few others explanation it seemed like god did a big boo-boo when he invented hell. It was like, oops, that was, let's, we got to reinvent this thing because this doesn't sound so great. Yeah. And let's, let's kind of, this back. yeah, let's, let's just hit, um, control, control Z, Z. <laughs> <laughs> undo. Oh, and let's, <laughs> let's get that we'll out try, of there. We'll try this again. Um, and so anyways, it's just really interesting how, how, many different, I mean, uh, whether it's purgatory or any other version of, of some, cor- some sort of um, revised ad- ad- hell edition two mm-hmm. or three. Yeah. It's kind of funny how people feel obligated to doing this for God because they somehow feel like that it's just so unkind. And we go to great lengths to try to make hell a little bit less bad when actually it takes a lot less time to explain hell away than it does to explain the salvation message and just yeah. keep people out of hell. Yeah. You Jesus know, kind of already took care of that problem for us. So we don't need, we don't need to make excuses. There were really, a, uh, there were several breaks away from legitimate Christianity long time ago. And um, a lot of these breaks that ended up veering off into, you know, crazy town uh, cult followings were because of the doctrine of hell. Uh, people just couldn't swallow it. They didn't like it. They didn't want to teach it whatever the case was, they changed it. And they said it didn't exist. They said that if you're not saved, when you die, you just go to sleep and that's it. You know, that there, it's like out, it's like blowing out a candle. Um, Annihilation. You You just cease to exist. There's the ideas that, you know, very few people uh, go there. I mean, you, you know, it's really almost impossible to end up there. You might not be in a great version of heaven, but 
you know, uh, you're not going to be in what Jesus describes, which is a literal place of torment and fire, which lasts forever. And it's one of the most avoided doctrines, I think, in churches today. And, and, and keep, keep in mind, I am one of the most outspoken critics of American Christian churches today. Okay, I really am. I mean, I, I beat up on the American Christian local church more than anybody. I am, you know, I, I am part of a local church. I mean, I, I believe in it. I go to it. You know, Jesus died for it. It's important. But <clears throat> the idea that we would sift through the Bible and not talk about topics that are uncomfortable is kind of ridiculous. You know, and hell is... I mean, don't you think it's at the top of the list as far as, you know, what are the top dozen topics that, you know, popular Christian mainline churches are going to try to avoid? What do you, what do you think, Caleb? Is, is hell up there? Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, haven't you heard, oh, hellfire and brimstone preachers? I mean, it's almost like this. It's, it's as bad of a word as, as yeah. something, I, they as talk something else we could bring it, up. Don't they? Yeah. That's like a oh, yeah. derogatory term. Those hellfire and brimstone preachers. You mean the ones that talk about this doctrine in the Bible that Jesus emphasized? Those guys? Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, you know, they're trying to scare people into getting saved. Well, what did you get saved from? Okay. Right. You know, when someone throws me a life jacket, I'm getting saved from drowning, not moderate uncomfortability. I, mean, I got saved by the blood of Christ from hell. That's what I got saved from. I didn't want to have to pay for the penalties of my sin. I don't know what everyone else is getting saved from, but that was what got my attention. Okay. Yeah, so when I, when I hear people, I've heard the, uh, this would be a common scenario. Oh yeah. We went and visited one time, went down to that white church on the corner down there and, and uh, yeah, we didn't like it there. We sat there through and that was just a, you know, a hellfire brimstone preacher down there. And he was just, you know, he was carrying on and we couldn't stand it or whatever. Well, <laughs> I understand not, not every, not every sermon needs to be focused on hell. And sure. that's, I mean, obviously we're how many months into this podcast? We never even got on the topic, but the fact is, is that like Patrick mentioned there, you, you can't, um, you're not if you're preaching a salvation story you you can't properly explain what somebody needs salvation from if you don't at least casually mention what they're getting saved from which is eternal damnation in a literal place called hell mm -hmm. that the bible talks about so yeah anyways that's uh, I, I hear people say all the time even um even people that would uh, consider themselves to be devout Christians that will mm -hmm. say in a, if they're, if you corner them, especially on, on TV or on public radio or something like that, where, where they have to, um, if you ask them, well, do you believe that somebody that's not a Christian is going to go burn in hell? I've, mm -hmm. I've often heard people soften things up real quick on the fly. Like, well, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, hell is, uh, hell is, uh, it's the, it's the absence of God. And, mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I think that basically we're already in hell, but, uh, it's <laughs> just like, you know, all right. So if we go, if we go to the Bible and it says that hell is the absence of God, um, and that's all that it was, there's, mm -hmm. um, there is, uh, there's, we run into some problems. So somebody mentioned here, where's, where's some scriptures. So Patrick, have you run across any scripture in the Bible that, seems to support the idea that there is no such thing as literal hell. That's, that gives the idea that there's not? No. Yeah. What I can tell you is that Jesus talked about hell twice as much as he talked about heaven. Um, you know, it, it, it's mentioned all over the place. If you really want to see the, I guess, the area that gives the biggest explanation, we can get to that. And that is, let's see, sorry, I'm going through, I have a couple documents open. I'm just trying to see if I can find the one that I want to read from, or I might just open the Bible here and go to the book of Luke because Jesus explains it. You know, that's probably what I'm going to have to do. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and read a verse here out of Matthew. If you're Jump in. To start, start toward the beginning of sure. the New Testament. 
And uh, so here we have Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all, all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then shall he say also unto them to the left, Depart from ye, sorry, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So this is talking about everlasting fire. Um, and this is one of the, the issues that annihilation and some of these other weird doctrines that have sprung up to try to explain hell away. Um, mm -hmm. can't, they can't really explain this idea of everlasting fire. And sure. so here's something that, that really um, for me kind of made it click. And I don't know that this is mm -hmm. for other people. This really means nothing, but um, it helped me. So God, when he created us, he created us for as an eternal being he wanted us to have fellowship with him and it wasn't until the curse and the fall of man that our days on earth were were limited and death was introduced so he he actually created us wanting us to have eternal fellowship with him in heaven that was that was his plan from the get-go and so um somebody that says well um for somebody to live in hell to be to be resurrected from the from the dead, stand before God on Judgment Day, and then be condemned to condemned to live an everlasting punishment, separated from God. How how could a just God do that? Well, His plan from the beginning was never for us to just cease to exist. He never planned mm -hmm. to annihilate us and just have us be here for a season and, and gone. We were created to have fellowship with him and that is supposed to be everlasting. So for those that want nothing to do with God on earth, those that um, commit evils, obviously many of us do, um, and, and yet never choose to turn to God as, as their savior, turn to Christ, it seems to me that it's only fair and just that there be a place to quarantine evil away from God and away from the saints that choose salvation in christ um and so we we look to me i look at hell as as not some sort of a a really hard thing to understand or how could god possibly do this it says that he does it now if i was god would i have invented hell probably not but i'm not god and i don't need a mm -hmm. question we don't go off of what do i think the morality should look like even my worst enemy i can't imagine wishing wishing upon him that he would have to suffer for eternity maybe mm -hmm. a year or a hundred years or i mean it seems that it seems that it, we we think of things in a different way but god thinks of things eternally my best friend mm -hmm. i could never imagine rewarding them eternally either or punishing them eternal we don't think in eternal ways like that but god does so eternity seems like this really overwhelming thing to us in god's mind that's apparently a normal thing eternity is what we were created <clears> for well, and something else to remind everyone, if you go to Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, you see that um, God was created for a purpose, and it wasn't for us. Uh, we read, hell. then shall he, what did I say? You said God was, God created oh, hell. I'm sorry, reason, right? uh, yeah, no, God created hell for a purpose, and it wasn't for us. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So what you got to understand is this was the place that was created for the devil and his angels to spend eternity because of their rebellion with God. What is unfortunate is that we also get to choose, and when we decide to follow our own will and refuse to uh, receive Jesus as our Savior, well, then we have to pay for our own sins as well, and there's only one place to do it. We don't do it in this life, we do it in the next. So uh, and instead of letting Jesus pay for all of your sins on the cross, which he did and is happy to do because he loves us, 
Uh, instead, we bear the burden and we do that after we die and we do it in hell. Now, someone was asking for Bible, Caleb, and I want to give everyone, I put it up on the screen a minute ago here, Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. So I want to read this. I'm going to try to read it quickly and, and pause and we can talk about it a little bit so I don't take up, you know, 20 minutes reading uh, 12 verses because heaven forbid, you know, we put everyone to sleep by reading 12 whole verses. So... Uh, this is uh, this is Jesus speaking, and this is not a parable. Uh, in parables, you find two things. Number one, uh, every time it's a parable, Jesus says it's a parable. And number two, in parables, none of the people have names. And here, you see that's not the case. This is Jesus explaining what is going on. Jesus says, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs, which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So you have two guys, you have the rich man, you have Lazarus. And you find out that obviously in this life, the rich man seemed to have uh, nothing wanting and Lazarus seemed to be in abject poverty. Uh, moving on to verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Okay, so I'm going to stop here and I'm going to go over a couple points because a lot of folks read this and they get confused. And, and I understand how this works. You have to remember that at this time, Christ was on the earth. He had not died on the cross yet. Now, everyone always asks, well, what happened to those people that died before Jesus uh, died on the cross? Well, this is one of the most detailed portions of scripture that explain it. What happened is <clears throat> there is a place called Abraham's bosom, which is also called paradise, both by Jesus, and also you find it in other portions of the Bible. And that is the place that people who were saved would go until Christ died on the cross, because what there needed to be was the blood of the Lamb to cleanse their sins. And that had not been shed yet. So these people were in a place, and that place was called Abraham's bosom. It's also called paradise. Now, what you find is that in the Bible, it refers to Abraham's bosom in a few places as hell. It seems that paradise and hell were all in one area, but what you find is that they were separated, and this portion of the Bible talks about it. So here we have, <clears throat> in verse 23, in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, this is talking about the rich man, and he seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. So a couple things we see there. Number one, we see that people in hell are tormented. And two, we know that there are flames. That is what they are tormented by. There might be other problems down there. We find there are many, but we certainly see that they are in torments and uh, that they are in fire and that he wants nothing more than a drop of water for temporary relief. Okay, verse 25, but Abraham said, son, remember that Thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Okay, so this again is painting more of a picture. So one thing we see is that there is a gulf fixed. And once you're dead, that's it. Your fate has been decided. You're either saved or you're not. So the people Wait. in hell... Wait, so yeah. you can't go baptize somebody for the dead and <laughs> nope. fix that? Nope, no purgatory, no time to work off your sins. Okay, once you die, you cross the threshold, and that is it. Okay, you were either so saved or you're lost. I know, I'm, I'm pretty narrow-minded. Hopefully, hopefully I didn't make you lose any friends just now by making you clarify that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what friends I have to lose anymore. 
Okay, so so you have these two areas, and if you think about it, it's much like a person outside a house in the evening and a person inside. Okay, the person outside in the darkness can see in, but the folks inside the house can't see out. Okay, so the people inside are not bothered by what is across the gulf, you know, in hell. They can't hear it, okay, which is why uh, the rich man doesn't beg for... Uh, to Lazarus or someone else that is there, he begs for Abraham, okay, who is in the title of the place, paradise, which is called Abraham's bosom. Okay, so uh, verse 26, and beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would ascend him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, and that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. <clears throat> Abraham saith unto them, or unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded that one rose from the dead. And this also gives us a little bit of understanding as to, you know, why people will not get saved and turn to Jesus. Um, Right here, the rich man is told they have Moses and the prophets. What he's telling them is they have the Bible. It's not like they've never had this. You know, they have access to it. They've never wanted to read it or had any interest in it. And they have no interest in godly things. So therefore, if they're not going to listen to Moses and the prophets, they're, they're, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. You know, even if someone rose from the dead, they're not going to, you know, get saved. So that is one of the most lengthy and um, uh, descriptive portions of the Bible that talk about hell. And that's where we get some of the doctrine from it. Go ahead, Caleb, jump on in here. So, yeah, you mentioned, um, man, I, I had several thoughts while you were talking about that. I'm not going to. Sorry, I should have. No. I should have no, paused for comment along the way. I just I kind of wanted to just get through it because I saw our numbers go down pretty fast as soon as I started reading the Bible. OK, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, so you want me to bring you to another portion, see if something in your memory gets no jarred. so there's okay. uh well i'll i'm just going to mention a couple things so yeah, one thing you, that you had mentioned was how how hell is it's mentioned in scripture that yes. hell is created for the demons and for the yes. devil yep it's also um it's prophesied that satan's going to be cast into the, the bottomless pit for Correct. a thousand years and yes. locked up. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd read a couple of those verses so that pe- because some people are going to be like, wait, what did Patrick just say? This is actually designed for demons. And, you know, sure. it's kind of yeah. a, an odd yeah. thing for some Isn't people. So anyway, the I was just devil getting... running hell. I thought he was down there yeah, in charge of the place. Yeah, doesn't the devil live in hell? Isn't he the god oh, of the underworld? <laughs> Isn't he his yeah. own deity? Sorry. All right, so here we go. Yep. Um, so let's go to 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 4. Through four and five um, says, for if God spared not the angels, the sin, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Um, and I should have actually pulled up more than just those two verses to give more context there. But here it's 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 talking about the angels being put into um a prison basically. Um, and this is talking about fallen angels that went with Satan out of hell or out of heaven, out of God's Mm -hmm. kingdom and had, had, um, had rebelled against God. And so they were cast out and there was a time around the time of the flood where there was obviously, um, angels that were procreating. Are you going to get into that? Are you going to get into that? (laughs) We should probably save the bulk of that for track. Yeah. Okay. So it was necessary. They were wreaking havoc on earth. Okay. So it wasn't yes. just like the devil was down here going to and fro, but there was a ton of demons, fallen yep. angels that were wreaking yep. havoc upon mankind. And that was part of what God delivered mankind from during the flood was he wiped out corrupted genetic bloodlines. Um, and he also restrained the demons, restrained the fallen angels from um, being able to, to, mess our lives up quite as bad as they were at the time. Mm -hmm. And so God 
in his to me in God's mercy and his justice, he gave a place, a prison to lock these guys up. And Satan is going to go there as well. Satan is not there right now. Satan is in your backyard or in my backyard. He's going to mm-hmm. and fro in the earth. And he is that he lives here. He doesn't Satan does not live in hell. He's not in charge of hell. Hell is where he's doomed to be when God locks him up there. So if we go to uh, Revelation chapter 20, uh, verse one right three, three. Want. okay, do you want to read it? Yeah, I was going to go to verse 10. You were saying one through three. Well, yeah, no, I'm I'm pulling up snippets, but go ahead and give give as much context as you want. Sure. So here in Revelation chapter 20, it gives the final resting, uh, I can't say resting place, the uh, the final place of torment for the devil. It says, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So again, here it's explaining that it is forever. It's not a temporary situation and they're tormented. Now, some of you are going to say, well, Patrick, that said the lake of fire. That didn't say hell. Okay. If you continue to read, you find out uh, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So you find out. Oh, there we go. There we have annihilation. Yeah. Second death. Okay. Yeah. That's probably one of the verses they'd use to defend annihilation. So what you, what you have to understand is that um, hell is actually going to be cast into the lake of fire and all the inhabitants there are only going to get out of hell for a moment. And that is um, found in, uh, in the same chapter in verses 12 and 13. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. So you got to understand, hell is actually emptied out. Everybody stands at the great white throne judgment. Now, when I say everybody, I'm talking about the lost people, those that have died without salvation. Jesus is not their savior. They have no chance. Nobody at the but great just white the throne really judgment. Bad. No, no, if no. They were, if they were pretty no. good, but didn't have but Jesus. But only they... did a small sin. No, Caleb, that's interesting. Right. They, only did, they only told a white lie, right? Just a lie. Just, okay. just a little lie. So if you move on to Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, you find out, the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So we're talking about what you got to remember, and this is also getting us off into the weeds. When you look at sin, we often judge sin mortally. We say that murder is worse than a lie. And in this life, you're correct because murder is a capital crime, whereas lying is not. And there are different penalties for it found in the Bible. But eternally, in the next life, you find out that any sin will keep you from heaven. And any sin at all requires the blood of a savior to cleanse it. So a lie, a murderer, all going to hell. Okay. So again, you got to understand that the Bible says that hell will give up its dead. They will stand at the great white throne of judgment. Nobody is getting off. Everybody that's there is going to be judged for their deeds. And they're going to be cast into the lake of fire where the devil and the beast and the false prophet are. And they are there forever and ever. And it is fire and it is torment. So technically, if you want to say, what is the eternal place for the damned? Well, it's the lake of fire. It's technically not hell. They are in hell okay, until the great white throne judgment. Just like those that are saved are in Abraham's bosom or paradise until Christ dies on the cross and his blood is available to be applied to their souls. And at that point, okay, when Jesus died on the cross, it said that he went down into hell and preached to the captives and set them free. Talks about that in the Psalms and I believe in Isaiah. Okay, Jesus and, and went, Peter as well. 
and in Peter, it, Jesus went down to paradise. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, tonight you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say heaven. Why not? Because Jesus was going down there okay, uh, uh, to paradise. The blood of Christ was able to be applied to those that were there. And then at that point, they can all forever be with the Lord and they can be there in heaven. So they can be in the presence of God. So I don't know if I just lost everybody because I went over that quickly and I didn't have any visual aids. So, you know, no, I'm sorry. That was, that was good. I could have. So again, brought you brought up something else that, that for some people, um, not here to say that anything against people that don't read their Bibles, but there's plenty of people that sit in church and don't actually mm -hmm. get into their Bibles that much. So mm -hmm. this idea that you just mentioned about Jesus when he died, actually going down and preaching to the, um, setting the captives free angels. So here we have in first Peter, and I don't know if you want to pull up one of those in Psalms or whatever, Patrick does, yep, he's I'll not just pulling one. this stuff out. He's not just pulling this stuff out of thin air and just coming up with random stuff to say. <laughs> the Bible actually says this. So here we have in first Peter, uh, chapter three, uh, verse 18 through 20 it says for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the spirit by which he, by sorry, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were, di which sometimes were disobedient when he, man, I cannot read on here. Yeah, you, I actually fell okay. asleep. Sound I fell asleep out. and slept for an Sound hour. And then I, Slow down. <laughs> I slept for like an hour and I set an alarm tonight to wake back up to get on here because our food distribution was canceled tonight. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to blame it on that. I'm half asleep. All right. So which sometime were disobedient. When, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein, a few, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. So this is com comparing, um, again, the same time that these that these um, spirits were were locked up in the in the bottomless pit is probably a more literal translation of it than hell at this point. Um, and then um, earlier on in Psalms, uh, do you have the one? Do you have the verse pulled up there in Psalms? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. And the other I'm thing, trying to okay, find that's it. That's fine. So yeah, go go check it out. Isaiah Psalms. It's it's mentioned. So then in Revelation chapter 20, I was thinking it would do us good, even though here we are going to lose some people because mm -hmm. we're going to read something. Um, you, had, I, I thought it was a good idea to go ahead and read like the first 12, 14 ch uh, verses of chapter 20 because it kind of gives this in chronological order, mm -hmm. and I think that I think this is probably one of the best explanations that I'll ever get of exactly how hell go goes, because I'm not planning on being there, thankfully, because of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I, I am, have no intention of visiting hell. So um, I don't really want to know how exactly how it works and I may get it wrong, but this is the best explanation that I think that we have as far as how some of this is going to go at the end times. And I think you did a good, a good job of explaining it, but just so that it's actually read straight from scripture here. So uh, chapter 20, and I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Uh, which this is really interesting because there's a lot of Christians that really don't believe in this because of their view on. In the times. thousand anyways, year millennial reign. Yep. Yeah. If you don't if you don't have a good handle on that, you really have a lot of trouble understanding a lot of verses because. I mean, we went over this in the past, but if you don't understand that after the rapture, after the seven years of what we would call the time of Jacob's trouble or the great tribulation, there is a period of a thousand years where Jesus comes back and rules and reigns on earth and sits on a literal throne, the throne of David in Jerusalem. 
then you have great portions of the book of Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Revelation where I don't know what you try to make it say, you know, because it explains the millennial reign of Christ. It, and, and Caleb, you know, that's another thing that we were talking about here. Since we were in Revelation, let me just add this in. Um, it says in verse four and five, and I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And that is in Revelation uh, uh, chapter 20, verses four and five. And then you also find out um, that the devil was bound for a thousand years. And you find out that, uh, da, 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 da. yeah, sorry, that one's not coming to me. As that quickly. would be a good time to be alive. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, I'll get it for you. Sorry. I'm still trying, I'm still putting this together here. No, you're okay. good. So, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to read no, through the through the rest of this here. Just yeah, no, no, do that. I'm putting one or two verses together for everybody. Okay, so I had read through verse six, verse seven, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them to battle the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up to the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So here we have in verse 10, it's talking um, possibly about something a little different than the bottomless pit that mm -hmm. he was locked into, chained into for um for a thousand years. Um, and I'm not exactly sure how that all is going to work. Like I said, I'm hoping not to visit there. I just, I'm going to let them deal with that themselves. And I, I saw a great uh, here in verse 11, and I saw a great white th throne and him that sat on it from whose face, the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great stand before God. And the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of these things, which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead, which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead, which were in them. And they were judged every man, according to their works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So do you want a couple um, of verses how? on Go ahead. I don't know how you could possibly read this and 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 then try to explain that hell is just simply the absence of God, or that hell is a temporary yeah. a temporary judgment that you can earn your way out of by doing good works. I saw uh, the Pope at one point had tweeted that if if you uh, re retweeted his tweet, that you would uh, what are they called indulgences? You would get indulgences, which actually um, like they take away some of your negative balance in your in your checking account by doing good works and retweeting the Pope's tweet about something. And so you actually earn your way out of hell on Twitter. Of course, I don't think okay, that's- Here's my question. Here's my question. Do we on Bible Thumper have a way to do that? Do we have <laughs> credits go. that we can administer? Before we, or... make, before we make anything too clear here, we could get for a bunch sharing of- this retweet, or, yeah. retweet this episode. Is that for anyone or- yeah. Okay, so well, we could they could buy the commemorative spoon and then they could get baptized. Uh huh. Okay, anyway, sorry. Um, ba -ba -ba. Okay, so let me give you a couple verses and you know, kind of try to paint this picture. Okay, so I already explained to you in the book of Luke that Jesus said that he was going to go um, with the thief on the cross and he was going to be in paradise with him. Okay, that night. Then we find out. Uh, in Psalm chapter 16, uh, we read uh, in verse 10 and 11, I think it is, or, uh, da, 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 for thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Uh, Jesus uh, was down in hell, but he did not suffer corruption. It's explaining that he was down there for a different purpose. In Ephesians uh, chapter 4, we read again about Jesus. It says now that he ascended 
what is uh, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. And that he descended is the same also that he ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Okay, so we see that Jesus, when he died, he descended into the lower parts of the earth. And when, then we find out that he came back to life three days later, and then he was on the earth for, I want to say, 40 days. Uh, and then he ascended at that time, and he is currently sitting on the throne, the right hand of the throne of God up in heaven, waiting to come back down for the second coming. So again, we see that Jesus descended into the lower parts of the earth. The only thing that, you know, even remotely makes sense is that he went down uh, to set the captives free. Now, if that term makes your ears perk up, it's because it's found in Luke chapter four. And in Luke chapter four, we find out that Jesus was actually quoting from um, Isaiah chapter, I think it was 61, but I have it here highlighted in my Bible somewhere. Um, okay, in Luke uh, chapter four, uh, verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So the idea was that here, when it talks about he is preaching deliverance to the captives, okay, who are those people? Those are the people who have died prior to the blood of Christ being available to cleanse them of their sins. And they are in Abraham's bosom waiting for the Lord to descend to set those captives free. So <clears throat> those are some of the scriptures that are used to kind of piece together the idea that we know Jesus descended down into the earth. It says that explicitly. It says that he went to uh, preach the captive, uh, preach to the captives, and set them free. And we know uh, from the story in Luke with Lazarus and the rich man that hell was full of people who died without Christ as their savior, and those who were saved went to a place called Abraham's bosom, which Jesus also later calls paradise. And we know that it was filled with everybody from Abraham all the way up to Lazarus. So we're talking about thousands of years of saints. Saints are people who are saved, who uh, died and were waiting for uh, Christ to be crucified so that his blood could be available to cleanse them from their sins. Is that is there any confusion there? Anyone have any follow-up questions? I know well, we're kind of getting off into the weeds. Yeah. Yeah, you just put yourself in a very small box, theologically. <laughs> a lot of people are like, wait, so Patrick believes this too now? <laughs> All right, so here I'm going to read uh, Psalms 139, verse 8, which might help a little bit with this. This is not just a really, it seems like a very strange concept. And of mm -hmm. course, God operates outside of the way that we do. But um, here in, in Psalms 139, verse 8, it says, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If, I'm, if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. And of course, this was... Uh, David, and this is the, the Hebrew, what would have been the Hebrew word, which most of the the time that Patrick and I have been talking about hell has been New Testament. I call it New Testament. <laughs> the biggest difference between New Testament and Old Testament, it's all one, it's all one Bible, but the biggest difference is the New Testament is Greek, the Old Testament is um, Hebrew, and the Hebrew word here would have been Sheol, which could have also meant the grave, not necessarily actually hell. But it, um, David, or David seemed to have the concept here that there is things that happen in the afterlife, even that, that God was going to visit him in the grave, so to speak. He believed in that. Um, there is, um, and of course, I think that it's always worth making note of the fact that there can possibly be 
mistranslations and misunderstandings between the original text and our Bibles. And I always hate preachers that have to always go back to the Greek and talk over our heads. So that's not my, not my goal here, but obviously in the new Testament, um, there, there would have been Greek words that would have been used, um, for hell that is translated as hell in, in our Bibles. They could have possibly meant different things. Um, Hades, um, what, what are some of the different ones? Hades, um, Gehenna. Sheol. And there's some, Sheol would have been Hebrew. Um, are you just looking for Greek? Yeah. Or are you just um, looking for all the terms? Tartarus. Tartarus uh-huh. is another Greek Greek word. So anyways, Tartarus there's different. Is, is the word for the pit that Satan is cast down into. Keep in mind, they're all bad. They're all terrible places. Exactly. Okay. But there are different localities in what we lump together as hell. So when we talk about hell, technically, okay, within that is the pit, is Abraham's bosom, or what we call paradise. And we find out that different beings are sent to different places. The fallen angels were sent to the pit. Okay, the the devil is sent to the bottomless pit. Okay, those of us that die in our sins die and go to hell. Now, I'm not saying that one is like, better than the others i mean i wouldn't wish any of them on my worst enemy but um understand that the bottomless pit is a place reserved for the fallen angels and the devil which seems to be the greatest punishment and the assumption there is that they saw god completely in his fullness and glory and they still rejected him tried started a war and tried to fight against him right so anyway, the only reason that I bring that up is not to complicate, uh, not to complicate the topic with culture and language, but it I think is un, it is necessary for Christians to understand part of how some of the misconceptions about hell um, and where Satan is right now and how some of that actually is working comes from I believe uh, some of our uh, the pagan influence that comes into our cr- Christian beliefs. So. Uh, Hades is the Greek, one of the Greek words is used for hell. And in uh, Greek mythology, there was a god of the underworld mm-hmm. uh, that was Pluto. Um, and and the underworld that, that Pluto was the god of was called hell or Hades. Mm-hmm. And so it is, I think it's important for us as Christians. And I always have, I always have a little bit of a hard time when I hear, um, especially in um, say songs that are specifically singing to Satan, singing as if he is, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm the present and can hear you and sure. Yeah. If you get into, um, especially some of the more charismatic churches, you'll, Mm -hmm. you'll find, uh, people singing about, you know, dancing on the head of, uh, on Satan's head or whatever, and they'll start singing Mm -hmm. to Satan and they'll get really energetic about it. And that always makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) You give me that look. Just wait till you actually, yeah. Uh, if you if you get, if you just get get online and look look some of them up, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. There's people I, that yeah. spend plenty of time addressing Satan directly, rather than I mean, it's one thing it's one thing to say you know to kind of mock the devil and say you know he he ain't got a he ain't got any room around here. You know, mm-hmm. God's God's got things under control. Sure, and that's a little different than when you actually start singing to Satan and almost elevating him as if he were god or that he Mm -hmm. were a god or that he is in charge satan is not in charge of hell god is in charge of hell god is the one that invented it designed it created it and it is that's where satan's um doomed to be so for us not to think that not not to put too much stock in satan as if he were a deity uh because we Mm -hmm. we end up getting into pantheonism or uh, we're not we're not um we're not saying that satan is in any way co-equal with god there's not heaven that's over here and hell mm-hmm. over here and Satan's in charge of hell and God's in charge of heaven. That is a yeah. big, big misconception. That's Greek I mythology hear, just renamed yep. or repackaged. Yeah. The idea and that I hear our it, God is one of many. I hear it preached, especially to children in Sunday school way too much. Mm-hmm. And children in church get taught um, they, this, this idea that, that there's kind of, it's like these two co-equal branches of power. You got good, you got evil you yeah. got God, you got Satan, you got heaven, you got hell. And I think that it's good for there to be some actual understanding of the fact that Satan 
is not a god. He's not the god of the underworld. So anyway, that's and the and next week, the, we're dedicating the whole hour to the devil, Satan, Lucifer, the great red dragon, you know, all of the names. So we're going to get into it. We're going to cover, you know, where he lives. It's not hell. You know, what he does, where he's destined. You know, we're going to get into all that. So, uh, some Caleb, of, some I, of, we're going to cover some of the scriptures that you don't find on your church's sign and when you yeah. put it on Sunday morning. They're not, <laughs> it's not going to be the most inspirational message you ever heard. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, can I address a couple questions here that have yep. been coming up while we're getting here? Okay. So, LaRonda asks So, when we die, do we go to paradise until the second coming if we are saved? So, the answer is no. Uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So since Jesus died on the cross, from this point forward, the second you die, okay, you you go to heaven and you stand before God at the what's called judgment seat of Christ. It's also referred to as the Bemis seat, okay, and that is a Greek term that came from the Olympics. That is when you would be done and you would simply be awarded your prize. Okay, and and we've talked about that before. So you stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ. We find this in First Corinthians chapter fifteen. You can also find it, I think, in either chapter three or five of First Corinthians. You can do a little bit of your own homework there, or you can email me or message me. I'll be happy to show you the verses. But you're going to pass through fire. It's not fire that's going to hurt you. It's just going to burn up your your works, and your good works are going to make it through. Uh, gold, silver, precious stones. And your worthless works, wood, hay, stubble, are going to be burned up, and you're going to you're going to receive loss. But you will be you are saved once you die. You stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone that stands at the judgment seat of Christ is saved and goes into heaven. It's just that that's the time when you get your rewards. Everyone that stands at the great white throne. Uh, judgment, which I think is either Revelation chapter twenty or twenty one, but again, you can it's twenty. Well, those people are lost. Okay. But every one of us that is born again, we are saved. When we die, we go straight to heaven to be with God and we are with God uh, forever. Uh, so are there different parts of heaven too? Um, as far as that question goes, the simple answer is yes, uh, because, you know, we all have a mansion. So I'm going to live in mine and Caleb's going to have his and I hope my neighborhood is a nice one. You know, um, but no, as far as believe it or not, out of all the things that are talked about and, and Caleb, I, I got to imagine we have a section or a we're going to have a date where we're going to talk about heaven. If we don't, we'll put one on the book so we can get we need there. Yeah, devoting a whole episode I know. To hell. To hell. Yeah, well, you should think so. Uh, we find there's there are several places in heaven. There are several things. We find out about a certain river, certain roads, certain walls, certain gates. So we find out about a lot of things. But to be honest with you, um, it, heaven is not described as, as in as much detail as I would like. You know, take that for whatever it's worth. But you do have to understand that when when Jesus took John, the apostle, and showed him everything in the book of Revelation. And he, you know, the angel told him what to write down. He was showing him these things. John was tasked with writing down and explaining in our three-dimensional universe what a 10-dimensional place is like. You know, so he describes it, but John was trying to describe things that none of us have ever seen or could even imagine. So it wasn't an easy job, understand, you know, so we'll get into heaven, but as far as different places, like, you know, a better place and a worse place, uh, no. Uh, the only thing it talks about are our rewards. It talks about crowns and it talks about other various rewards that are not well-defined in the Bible, which will be given to certain people. And the crowns are specifically explained. You can do a study on the crowns found in the Bible, and, and there are several crowns that are given out, and they're explained very specifically as far as what they're given out for. There might be more crowns than are described in the Bible. There are certainly other rewards. It is not carte blanche. When you get into heaven, some people are going to have it better off. There are some people that basically got saved and the only way they served God is as a bad example. 
That's it. Their whole life. They didn't do anything for God. They didn't serve the Lord. They didn't help others go to heaven, you know, and that was it. And then there are other people who take very seriously their walk with God and they work for God and they try to um, see people saved and, and, and what we would call do the work of the Lord. And they are going to be rewarded for it. Okay. So let's see what other questions we have. Caleb, jump in and yeah, please do. So this is my explanation of, of this idea that I think, um, there are, there's multiple places in scripture that talk about, um, that talk about saving up treasures in heaven and, and seem to indicate, like you mentioned, that there's going to be different rewards in heaven. And I think that probably the most clear, concise answer that I would give on this. So, so as not to confuse people with weird theology, like, um, if you have more wives, you'll have, you know, uh, bigger utopia, bigger moon to live on, as the Mormons would teach. Um, so here we have in um, Matthew, uh, where is this here? Matthew chapter six, and let's go down to verse nineteen. Lay up, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. So. This is not saying that you're going to somehow earn your way into a better part of heaven, I don't think, by by storing mm-hmm. up treasures in heaven, or that you're going to actually literally have um, some stockpile of gold when you get there. But I would say mm-hmm. an easy way to understand this would be, let's say you are um, Greg, and Greg is 85 years old, and he's on his deathbed, and Greg has uh, lived a pretty rough life. He um, had three divorces. He beat his kids. He murdered somebody. He stole, stole all for a living. He stole and on his deathbed, he repents and he goes to heaven. Okay. When he gets to heaven, he's going to walk in and right beside him is Joe and Joe. When he was 15 years old, he gave his life to Christ was saved. He um, was a steady uh, devoted person at church. He raised a family, was devoted to his wife. He had children. He took care of his parents and and um, at the end of his life, he dies and he goes to heaven. They both walk in the same place. But um, Joe is greeted with um, his family. His loved ones are there with him. And that would be a reward where Greg walks in and um, maybe he murdered his parents. And his, his children uh, were led astray and, and they didn't, he didn't grow them, raise them in the faith. So I would say that would be, to me just just one for instance of something where by living a godly life and obeying god on earth you do store up for yourselves treasures in heaven um because there's going to be more blessings in heaven for for those that contributed say you you meet several people in heaven that you uh worshiped together with in church you you you've, you meet somebody there that you led them to christ uh those would be things that would be, I think, would be rewards that we would get in heaven. And I'm sure there's plenty of others, but just on a simple level, I would say that it's pretty clear that um, we are going to, we are going to have uh, just, even just in the relationship realm with, with those that we're uh, spending eternity with, we will be, we'll be um, storing up treasures in heaven in in that way. So I think there is different levels uh, in heaven to a certain degree um, based off of our experience on earth and there's plenty of scriptures to support that but i would i would theologically confuse that with the idea that there's going to be uh seven different heavens and i get into one and patrick gets into another and i'm not sure if we lost you or not but you have been froze on my screen for a while well i'm not sure if i'm even still live on facebook or not um looks like patrick disappeared here so hopefully he pops back up here in a second so um, I have not read through the comments here. Um, let's see if I can get to them. They don't pop up very well on mine. Um, somebody asked, are there two different parts of heaven? I guess that's the answer that, or the question we were answering there. I would say if Patrick doesn't get back on here, we're already over the hour. Um, in conclusion on, on this topic, um, oh, I guess I am still on. Somebody says, uh, Peter says I'm on and somebody else says I'm still live. So I'm not sure what happened to Patrick. Maybe one was taken and one was left behind here. I'm not sure. Um, anyways, we are, um, we're wrapping up a discussion on hell here. And I think that, um, like I mentioned before, obviously I have no intention of finding out by the grace of God 
um, the blood of the lamb, I have no intention of finding out what hell really is. And, and, um, uh-oh, looks like my audio went away now. Well, if my audio is gone, then we should probably wrap it up. Um, I guess, like I said, um, uh, we can't overcomplicate hell and try to understand something too much. that's eternal. Um, hopefully, hopefully, um, you guys dig into the word and, and, uh, if Patrick and I said anything on here that wasn't correct, I go back to the word and, and seek it out there. Um, I'm going to hop off here. Y'all have a good night and we will see you next Friday.